You know, it's appropriate this morning, like I said, that we're dealing with a value called future focus. There's a little PowerPoint to just summarize that for you. And uh, there we go. Basically, the next generation is in our sight. And in a few minutes, actually, Bob's going to come back up and share a passage of Scripture to reinforce that for us. And I just want to take just a couple minutes to unfold for you the value for us here at Moraine Valley Church. So let's take a look at the complete value, which says we believe our legacy is to raise a generation that knows and loves Jesus. Let me keep that up there for a second, Pete. Let me talk about legacy for a second. For those of us that, you know, it's, it's a big word. We may not understand it. It simply means that there's somebody who has something in their hand. It could be a baton, in a sense, and they're passing it on to the person that's going to be running next. And so they take the baton and they hand it to the next one. A legacy is simply a person that has some kind of gift that they're going to give to somebody that's going to follow them. And so we at Moraine Valley consider it very important that we have a legacy that we are going to, we have something we're going to give to those who are going to follow us. And this is important right now in this day and age because as generations grow, the, the studies that are being done is that the, the younger generation, there's just, because of the way the world is turning and moving, there's just a much less understanding of Jesus and his word. And how important it is for Moraine Valley Church to position ourselves and to make the adjustments we have to make so that we can be a church that can take that legacy, that, that our legacy is Jesus and his word and his message and his work and taking that and passing it on to the next generation. And so this is very important to us that we do that is we want to make the adjustments necessary to do that. But second of all, we want to leverage our opportunities to help the emerging generation find their place in God's story. That's what we're about. That's what we want to do. That's very important to us. Do you realize that there are six different generations in Moraine Valley Church right now? I think I got a PowerPoint that shows that. Uh, there's some that are called the silent generation, 1945 and before. Then there's the baby boomers, 1946 to 1964. Then there's Generation X, 1965 to 1976. Generation Y, called the Millennials, 1997 to 95. Generation Z, the Centennials, 1996 to 2010. And then there's Gen, uh, Generation Alpha, 210 to 225. I mean, that, that's overwhelming. It really is. Generations, our cultures are changing much quicker than it did years ago. When we did the series on truth, we talked about uh, postmodern culture, uh, modern culture, 
and the differences in those. And there's been a major shift that normally, cultural-wise, doesn't take place every few centuries. <laughs> and we've had it within our lifetime, so it's made a gigantic shift in the ministries and the way you do ministry today. And so, when we say the next generation is in our sight, I'm, I'm gonna tell you how I understand that and how I encourage us to move with that. I'm gonna talk really more in a age sense than you know six generations. I mean, which, you might say, well, which one is the next generation? And, and I look at it this way. I'm gonna divide it three ways. First of all, there's those who are from birth, Judah Matthew, <laughs> all the way uh, to those who are up to 25. And what I, I, I like to look at that as a special group of people to invest in because I see it as an investment in the kingdom of God. Let me tell you what I mean by that. The kingdom of God I'm talking about is broader than just Moraine Valley Church. And the great majority of people between zero and 25, the reality is they're gonna be someplace else. As, as they grow up, because they're gonna, they're gonna go to school, they're gonna move away, they're gonna find new opportunities, they're gonna meet somebody there, they're gonna get married, uh, they're gonna move, they're gonna get a job someplace. And so the reality is, is those from zero to 25, when we invest in them, we're making a gigantic investment into the kingdom of God and what God's gonna be doing really all around the world. Some of those stay, and we thank God for every one of them that does. Uh, but the reality is, is the great majority of them, just because as life goes on, they go on. That's just how it happens. The second group I think that we need to give special attention to as we take this gift or baton and pass it on to the group that follows is what I'm going to call 25 to 50. And I say that because they really have another 25 to 50 years where they can be a part of Moraine Valley Church to help us do what God has called us to do to help people follow Jesus and to influence and impact others. See, those are the people who by this time, we got my job in this area and I got my home in this area and my family's here and so therefore just to move on of course, unless they're tempted by the promised land of Indiana, we're finding out, uh, that uh, they're being established right here. And guess what? They're important to invest in because they're going to keep the life of this church going on for another 25 to 50 years. So when I think of the next generation, I think of two groups. I think of impacting the kingdom of God and those that are uh, zero to 25 that uh, you know, we can invest in them and they take that to wherever God takes them and then those 25 to 50 that are here whose roots are in that still have many good years to minister here. Well, you say, what happens if I'm 51? Do I count at Moraine Valley Church? And I'm gonna take that up to 101, Bob, so you know that everybody counts here. Uh, that if you're from 51 to 101, you're very important. Because stop and think, what's a legacy? The people who are coming before pass something on to those that are coming after. So if you're in that age of 50 to 100, 
Here's the reality is that if you've been walking with Jesus, you should have the finest wine of Jesus in your life now because you've been abiding in the vine. Jesus has been growing and shaping you. And you're really your role before God in this season is this, to invest what you have into those who are coming after you. That's our role in life. God has taught us lessons of how to walk with God and to navigate things in life right now. And it's time for us to take that and invest that back in the birth of 25 into the kingdom of God. And there's many opportunities here in our ministry right here to do that. I encourage you to say, what are those? I don't have time for this. Go back to the next step or the welcome table and find out about that. Because if you're in that age bracket as I am, your heartbeat should be, how do I invest in those that are coming after me? So here's the question that every person should be asking. And I'm gonna say whether you're from junior high to 100, who's my next generation? Because investing is not just a matter, I gotta wait until I'm 51 before I can invest in somebody. <laughs> A question that every one of us should be asking as a follower of Jesus. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me and I'll make you a person who impacts other people. Whether you're a junior high student or whether you're 100 years old, the question that every one of us needs to ask is, who is my next generation? Because you know, high school and junior high kids can have a tremendous impact in those that are in the children's ministry and, and those that are younger than them. Young adult singles, great opportunity to impact the high school kids and the junior high kids. You see, no matter where you're at, you've got something to pass on to somebody else. And it may not always just be an age thing. Could be a spiritual thing. Because you know what? You may be a brand new believer in Jesus who needs somebody to invest in you, or maybe you're somebody that's been established in Christ, and now you can invest in that new believer. And um, then there's those who are really equipped to do ministry. And they're the people who can invest in those who are established in Christ so that they can begin to become ministers to others. And then finally, there's those who you can entrust as Paul said to Timothy, the things that I've given to you and you've heard in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who can teach others. So I just wanna encourage you this morning, the Christian life is like a relay race. It's not a sprint all by yourself. We should always be thinking, we always got a baton in our hands. And we should always be thinking, who am I giving this baton to next? as I run the race for Jesus. And Bob, why don't you come on up from here, brother, and just kind of share with us what you have for us, buddy. Well, being um, a, a missionary always involves going to other cultures that are not like your own culture. Um, in many ways, even uh, doing what Pat wants his church to do is in many ways going to different cultures. Uh, almost every generation develops a culture and, and every culture is a little bit different. Uh, we learned that in, in youth ministry, as youth pastors, we like to say in some ways we were missionaries because we were going to a different culture that wasn't our, our culture. It wasn't how we grew 
grew up. And so many times by going to a totally different culture, like for us, the Philippines, helps us to kind of see broader culture. And it's interesting moving to different cultures. I kind of enjoy that. Maybe that's why I worked with youth for so long. I was just thinking through the other day, someone was asking me. And uh, so I started working with high school students in 1970. Uh, so for, what's that, 52 years or so, I've, I've worked with high school, junior high, college age uh, students. And so it, this, this whole idea of future focused and the next generations are, um, are something that I, I value uh, very greatly. Uh, but in the, the Philippines, one of the culture, we could talk a lot about some of the cultural differences and uh, you can ask uh, me questions and I'd be glad to, to tell you some of our stories. But um, one of them is, is the, the Philippines really values age. Uh, they value their senior citizens. Um, everywhere you go, there are, are lines just for senior citizens and, and pregnant um, uh, pe- uh, people. Uh, and there's no uh, disgusted look on your face when you actually go the line. In fact, you're expected to go there. If, if I'm standing in the non-senior uh, citizen line, people will go, oh, look, 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 and, and they'll want me to go. Probably the funniest story, we were in the um, uh, driver's license uh, branch, we're getting um, our driver's license renewed, and uh, I had gone through all of the process and I am um, standing there at the end, and, and one woman that worked there came up and asked me uh, where I was at in the process, because we're going different places, and uh, it was kind of marked in English, but you're never totally sure that you understand. And so I looked at her, and I told her, and she goes, okay, you're, you're done, just stay here. And I looked, and there were no seats to, to sit on, because she says, just, just sit here, and we'll call your name. Well, there are no seats, and so I, I was just happy to stand, but she looked and saw no seats, and so she went over to the youngest guy, who was probably in his 20s, and said, get up, get up, get up, he's gonna sit there. And the guy had kind of a startled look on his face, and I had kind of a startled look on my face, and he, he gets up, and he goes, and, and he points, and I sit down, and there were, some of the older people were going, yeah, yeah, you know, like, of course, the, the senior citizen should have that, that right. And so it's an interesting uh, perspective of senior citizens. We were, we've been slow to do this because we don't want to be the white American guy who assumes this, but we're learning now that we're actually the old guy uh, that everyone assumes that we will take advantage of this. Well, where it, it really comes into play with what I want to say uh, today is that uh, we deal then with the, the cultural differences within the generations, and things really kind of change. About three years ago, uh, I was teaching a course at our graduate school. Uh, I think it was probably in, in youth ministry, and there were uh, two young guys that are in their 20s, uh, one maybe 30 now actually, uh, but uh, we'd gotten to know each other, and they were both in youth ministry, youth pastors, and uh, very sharp, uh, brilliant uh, uh, academically. And we had developed an interesting um, relationship where we would joke uh, around uh, kind of the youth pastor to youth pastor uh, type of thing. Well, at the same time over in in the US or over here, I guess I'm I'm here now, uh, here in the US there uh, was a song that came out and I think the, the millennial and the 
the Gen Z had been really frustrated with the boomer generation, and so a song came out that said, okay, boomer, that was just highly dismissive. It was, it's like, we're not gonna talk anymore. It's not gonna be a, a, a part of our conversation. We're just, we're, we're ending it, and, and we're, we're done. Rather disrespectful, uh, and uh, so I'm over there, and, and these two guys, one is um, Chinese Filipino, and the other is Filipino, Filipino, but he's married a Chinese wife. So it's, we've had interesting cultural things. Uh, I walked in and I said something and they both look at me and says, okay, boomer. And, and, and I'm going, oh, you're reading the same social media that I am. I kind of laughed. And, and the, the, the Chinese American guy, Derek, all of a sudden just looked down and he looked incredibly um, crestfallen and saddened and he goes, how do they do that? How can they show such disrespect? He says, even joking, I can't do this even joking. And it had been so much a part of their culture, especially in the Chinese culture, but also in the Filipino culture, to have respect. Now, as we talked, I said, so then you should listen to me as, the, as your professor and the senior citizen. And he goes, well, what we normally do is we'll listen to the first thing that they say, and then if they don't have anything to tell us, we'll be nice to them, but we won't pay any attention. And so there is that, that side thing. Uh, but it, it amazed me at just how embarrassed he was to, to show any disrespect to people that were older uh, than he did. Um, there's a respect within the family, within the children. It's, it's, you're kind of brought up to have that basic uh, respect. Uh, even in, when sometimes in, in our looking, that respect, probably isn't owed, but it's still given. Now, my generation, the boomer generation, we were taught not to trust anyone over 30, and we kind of grew up that way. As I uh, look back at that, I think an older generation actually taught us that, uh, that were over 30, because I remember the voices, and they were older than that, but we're, we were taught never to trust anyone over 30, and then we had a crisis when we all turned 30, thinking, oh, we can't trust ourselves. <laughs> what's gonna go on, and we learn, well, that may not be true, but for some reason, uh, we still assume that every generation after that um, feels that way, uh, that they feel you can't trust people that are older. Uh, but studies seem to be showing that the current younger generations are really open to the input of the older, at least they were. I think there's probably the struggle that you're in right now from what I, I read. Uh, the younger generations love stories, the older generation loves telling stories, but somehow we're, we're missing each other. Um, and it's like everybody is talking, but nobody's really listening. Uh, we all wanna be heard, but no one seems to wanna pay attention. Well, biblically, there's a repeated emphasis on the next generation. Uh, the older generations have a responsibility to tell the stories of God to the younger. Now, many of you that have emailed me or have our uh, prayer letter sent to you know uh, that I have a bias here. Um, my current life verse, uh, about every 30 years I have a new life verse, and so this has been a life verse for a while, is on your screen, Psalm 71:18. It says, even when I'm old and gray, that's one reason why I like that, because uh, I am old and gray. Um, Do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Uh, so this is an important part of 
our life, Debbie and my life, and what we do in the, uh, the Philippines and continue to do that. So I really hold this very highly. Uh, this morning, uh, I wanted us to take a quick look at a key psalm that helps us understand our responsibility to younger generations. Uh, so if you have you know, your Bible or your Bible on a device, uh, turn to, go to uh, Psalm 78. We're gonna look at the first eight verses. Don't panic. Uh, it's a long psalm, and we're not going to go through all, all of it. Um, and I just want to take a, a quick look at that and, and kind of frame up what the Bible says in many different places uh, when it uh, comes to the next generations and the, the responsibility of the older generations to pass on to the younger generations. And I think, like Pat said, uh, it's not necessarily the old to the young. Uh, as I understand uh, some of the things I've been reading, I try and keep current on what happens in this culture here because we tend to get it in the Philippines. It used to be about five or 10 years later. Now everyone in the Philippines is on social media, especially uh, since we've been online. It's, and so it's catching quicker. Uh, we're picking up trends in the Philippines that happen over here a lot faster. And so I try and stay a little bit ahead of that. Uh, but it seemed like even the millennial generation now is really struggling with the Gen Z. Uh, and they seem to be fighting uh, about meanings. Uh, so it's just not the boomer and the Gen X, because uh, we always kind of had a, a problem. Now we're kind of ganged up on the millennial generation who's ganging up on the Gen Z. And, and so it seems like none of the generations seem to be listening to each other and none, none seem to be wanting to leave this kind of legacy. And so it really is about all of us here as we look through this, this psalm. So I want to go through the psalm. I want to then at the end give two quick um, uh, implications and observations and then one uh, application to bring it all kind of down. So let's go uh, to this psalm. Let's look at the first three verses. Uh, the, it's a psalm of, of Asaph. Asaph was the musical director uh, in the, uh, uh, the tabernacle, the temple under David. Uh, he wrote music, he was a poet, uh, maybe he was a prophet. Uh, so he was a very highly respected uh, person, and so there are several psalms that were done uh, by Asaph or after, uh, after him, uh, using this, the same ideas that he had. Uh, but verse one says, oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, Stories our ancestors handed down to us. Now, from verse nine on, he will tell some of those stories, and he, he will uh, rehearse and go back through some of the stories of, that had happened to Israel as, as they were coming out of, um, out of Egypt, going through the wilderness, the, the promised land, and so there are a lot of verses, and it ends then uh, with a high tribute to David. Uh, but David, but God finally comes up with David, and with David, he's, he leads the people uh, with integrity of heart and with skill, with skillful hands. Uh, but to, to get them ready for that, uh, he has some things to say, and he says, I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to teach you stories, and I'll keep reemphasizing that because I think that is critical with the legacy that we want to, to, li to live or the, what we want to tell the next generations. Um, in verse four, it says, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation 
about the glorious deeds of God, about his power and his mighty work. So there's gonna be two things that we're gonna tell the next generation. We're gonna talk about the glorious deeds of, of God, the wonderful things that he's done, and about his power and his mighty wonders. Uh, we live, uh, one of the, the first song was about hope, and uh, hope has been a featured thing the last at least two years going through the, the pandemic. It seems like we've all lost hope, and I'll pick this up just a little bit later. Uh, but to get over hope, we need to be thinking that we have a God that can bring this hope. We have a God that is great, that we have a God that has continued uh, through the generations to, to be faithful, uh, to be loyal, to be steadfast. Uh, and so we need to remember those stories when we're not doing very well. And we need to, to continue to have hope. In verse five, uh, Asaph continues, is four, uh, he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So this isn't just a good thing. Uh, Moraine's future focus on the next generation isn't a good idea. It's really commanded in Scripture. This is what we're supposed to do. Uh, this is how the next generation finds out. And, and so God issued laws uh, to Jacob, to Israel, and he commanded the ancestors to teach their children. Uh, verse 6, so with the result, for this reason, so the next generation might know them, might know those stories, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So this is supposed to be passed on from generation to generation. These stories would continue. Verse six, so, uh, verse seven, so again, with the result, uh, he's building his case so that each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. So we tell the next generations these things. We tell them the stories of hope and faith so that they don't forget because we all forget, right? Uh, Pat said earlier, he used to call me as Google. Well, the, the Google's not functioning as well as it used to. This Google is making notes all over the place. I have like three different note apps that I put notes on because I'm forgetting everything. And, and I, now I forget to ch check one of the notes to make sure what's coming up. Um, but we don't remember these. We, we forget very, very quickly, but it happens very, very fast. Uh, we uh, have a, uh, a, a girl that's lived with us the last three years. She uh, was a graduate of our school. We have known her for six years, I think now. Um, and she's really hilarious. We, we enjoy her uh, uh, a lot. Her name's Faith. And uh, she is now forgetting stuff. And so she blames it on us. Uh, so, so she says, I've got to take care of the old folks and I'm catching. What, whatever you, the memory thing, I'm catching because I'm, I'm forgetting all this stuff. So it's no matter what age, we, we forget. Um, and so we need to hear the stories over and over again so that we remember and especially so that we obey. Uh, that becomes the bottom line that we need to obey what God says because we see the glorious, the wonderful things that he's done uh, and we understand who he is. Uh, verse eight, then we will not be like our ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, 
and faithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. Now, this is a stunning thing because many times we think our legacy, they need to listen to us because we know everything. But here it says, they need to listen to us because we haven't done it very well. We've forgotten, we've rebelled, we haven't obeyed the way that, that we should have. And this brings humility, I think, into the whole issue. Now, I used to have people, uh, when I was in youth ministry and church ministry, would come and, and they would wanna work with youth. And I'd say, well, why do you wanna work with youth? Um, and I would listen to them and, and see why. And sometimes they'd say, oh, because I've really messed up and I wanna tell them how they need to live their life. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't need another preacher. I don't need another person teaching them how to, you know, teaching them not to do these kinds, kinds of things. Maybe you can listen. Maybe they need to hear your stories. Uh, but if you're coming in wanting to change them, then it, I'm not sure that I want you as a part of this. Uh, so it, it, we need to watch. We need to become very humble as we're doing this. Um, Pat's talked about legacy, about leaving a legacy, but what kind of legacy are we gonna live? Because frankly, we, live, we leave a legacy no matter what. So is that legacy gonna be good or is the legacy gonna be bad? Uh, my, my grandmother, my mother's mother, uh, on her deathbed, she was dying of cancer, looks at my mom, this is the last thing that she has to say to my mom, and she goes, I'm so disappointed in you. You never amounted to what I'd hoped you would have. Now, can you imagine? Now, my mom would have been in her 50s at that time, but this is my grandmother's legacy to my mother. Um, and so we can leave legacies that are not helpful, that are really negative, um, or we can leave positive legacies, legacies of hope, uh, legacies that bring joy, uh, legacies that, that help uh, the, the next generations know God and to trust God and to listen to God. Um, you know, this is not on the, this, I added this uh, later, Pete, so don't panic. Uh, but this is one of, the, one of the saddest passages in Scripture is at the beginning of the book of Judges. Um, it's written after the generation of Joshua, after Joshua had died, all the great and wonderful things that that, that generation saw God do, got them, into the pro, got them to the promised land, then into the promised land, so all these incredible things that happened have Joshua's big speech at the end saying, as for me and my house, we will trust the Lord. It was an incredible time. And yet in Judges 2.10, it says, and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. So that generation died. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. If, if one generation doesn't pass on to the next generation, if they don't tell the stories of faith, if they don't pass on hope, it only takes a generation for it to be lost. And that's very convicting, at least for me, and I think for all of us here. So let me give two quick implications from this. First of all, who is telling the stories of faith? Uh, who's telling them in your, uh, your family? It's just not the Bible stories, although those are important. Uh, it's the faith stories. Uh, when uh, I was here at, at Moraine uh, two times a year at Thanksgiving and uh, the next to last uh, meeting we had of the year before we broke to, to summer, we would have an open mic praise and worship time. We would, we would sing. It, it, 
it didn't last very long the first couple of times. And by the end of the eight years I was here, it was a, we were doing this for about an hour and a half to two hours of uh, uh, open mic, come up and, and say what you're thankful, Thanksgiving, what you're thankful for uh, to God over the past year. And then at the end of the school year, what are you, what are you thankful for? What have you seen God do <clears throat> in your life? Um, and we would sing uh, the first time uh, we did it. Eric Tweetmeyer was uh, leading uh, the, the singing, and he says, how many songs should I have? And I'm going, a, a lot, <laughs> you know, because we have no idea. And, and sure enough, maybe five people shared, and they were really good. Uh, the next time we did it, more. And so by uh, a couple of years into that, we were not singing very much, but we were, people were lining up to tell stories about what God had done in their life. And those that had struggled during the year could hear the stories that God is at work, God is doing something. And so who's telling them those stories? Who are the older people in their life uh, that can tell them the stories of faithfulness of God uh, from not only when they're 20 and 30, but when they're 50 and 60 and 70 and 80 and 90 and 102? Is that the oldest person that we have here in the church? Okay, so, so whoever that 102 person will, will become, we need to hear their stories. Every generation telling the stories of God's faithfulness, that, that God is not only faithful in, to people in their 20s and 30s, but God is still working in the lives of people in their 70s and their 80s. They need to hear those stories. Uh, there's a, an interesting cultural tradition in the, uh, the Philippines. The, uh, the uh, October 31st, uh, November 1, November 2, uh, kind of be becomes a holiday weekend. Um, it's uh, a lot of superstition uh, that happens on the 31st. Now, this all shut down during uh, the pandemic, and so it'll be interesting to see whether it ever comes back again. Uh, but families would go to the, um, uh, the cemetery, and they would camp out. Uh, they, they would go to where their, their parents and their ancestors uh, were buried, and they would camp out in the, the cemetery. Uh, and they would, um, would clean up the grave. They would pray uh, for their ancestors, uh, pray that they get to heaven. I'm not totally sure what they would, they would pray for. Uh, and then they would kind of hang around. Uh, the, uh, the, the Chinese church has, has been in the Philippines for a long time. I think the oldest uh, uh, Chinese Filipino congregation in, in Cebu City, where we're at, is about 110 years old now, maybe 108 years old. Um, and there's some other uh, Chinese congregations there. Uh, when we first got there, a, a missionary wanted me to go and, uh, and visit. He thought it'd be a great cultural thing to, to go to the cemetery and, and see what was going on. And it was really incredible. There were people that were just sleeping and, and all over uh, this large uh, cemetery area. Uh, but around the outside, there are these buildings that were just beautiful buildings. And, and that's where the Chinese would bury their, their family. And each, each family had a, a house and, and uh, some of them were really pretty spectacular uh, looking. Uh, and our, the missionary friend said, hey, I, I think there's a family from one of the churches that uh, has their, um, uh, their place uh, here at the cemetery, and I think they're gonna be here today, and, and why don't we go and I'll introduce you. We hadn't met them yet. They've since become very good friends of ours, uh, and I usually speak in the church maybe six to nine times a year. 
But uh, we went and we met them and, and they were there. Uh, and so we went in, into this beautiful um, building uh, that had the, the, uh, the graves of their family. Uh, and uh, the missionary friend said, Alex, tell, why don't you tell Bob and Debbie uh, why you are meeting here with you and your kids? Uh, and he says, well, it's really simple that once a year we come to, to give tribute to our family uh, and contribute to God and how he's worked in our family. Uh, and, and they tell stories. They tell the faith stories, how, how their parents and their grandparents, their great-grandparents came to faith uh, and how God worked in their life and how God will continue to work in the lives of these children. And so every year they continue to hear uh, the stories. It's really a great idea, a great concept of, of one generation keeping the stories alive of how God has worked in people's lives. Well, that's the first implication then is, is who, who's telling the next generation the stories of faith and hope? The next one is that there needs to be mutual respect. Uh, we tend to think the worst of each other. Um, I think many times we listen to media and we believe the media, even though we know we probably shouldn't believe the media. I remember when I was at Moraine, we would hear how bad this generation was, was getting. You know, back in the, in the 90s, it was so bad, it's, it's never gonna get any better. Um, and they would describe what uh, teenagers were like. And I would look around at our teenagers and I'm going, you know, do we just have different teenagers than anywhere else? Because it wasn't all true. Yeah, you know, there was some, uh, there were some of those problems we'd see, but it was never as bleak as the media would want to point it out. But we would assume that it must be the media, so it must be right. And so we assume character qualities, we assume behavior before we even have a chance to observe it many times or to get to know or to ask. And that happens both ways. Uh, the younger generation assume that the older generation is gonna act in certain ways towards them uh, but maybe they won't. Now, I've, I've found, and it's, it's really nice to be a missionary in some ways and go to a, a, a new culture because you don't know anything. And as long as you, you know, don't pretend like you do understand, um, you can ask all kinds of questions, right? And so I can ask our, our students, tell me about your home, tell me about you, tell me about what it's like to, to be here, and I can listen. And I, and I can share stories, they can share stories. Sometimes they'll ask us, so what's it like? Um, and we have um, a, a one uh, of our college students just messaged me today and, and said, hey, uh, I really love the, the pictures I'm seeing of you and your family. So it must be really different because over here, you're the center of attention. Over there, you're just a part of the family or part of your friends. And it was interesting then, just kind of a, a, a sharing back and forth of, of what it's like to be in those different cultures. And so we need to listen to each other. We need to pay attention. We need to not listen with the idea of telling, but listen with the idea of understanding. Uh, and that's true both ways. Um, so uh, we need to, to pay attention to this, pay attention to each other, and respect each other should be our default that I'm going to respect, and then if I'm if disrespected, then we can deal with that later on. Okay, so let's move to an application of this. Um, 
everything that I'm, I'm reading shows that whether in this country or in the world, we're in a crisis of hope, uh, that we desperately need hope. And our God is hope, right? You, you sing a, a song that Jesus is our living hope. Uh, we have a God who gives hope, and so we need to tell stories. We need to be people who are hope bringers. Uh, last December, we had a major typhoon go through. It was a Category 5, as it turned out. Uh, we were very underprepared for it. The local, uh, the, actually the national weather service has said it was going to be a Category 3. Uh, during the storm, um, I'm on my phone and I'm seeing uh, CNN say that a Category 5 storm was hitting the Philippines and it came almost right over us. It was just to the south of us. It's really kind of a terrifying thing to go, to go through that. Uh, one of my favorite pictures, though, uh, was this picture. Uh, somehow in, in uh, the city of Naga, which is a little bit to the south of us, right about where the eye came over, uh, this sign of hope got displaced and it got moved to the dock. And so the question I asked was, is hope coming or is hope leaving? You know, and, and that really de depends on our hearts. Is, is hope coming, is hope leaving? And I looked at that and I said, we need to become bringers of hope uh, that our people, our friends uh, in our country, in the Philippines, in our, in our other country here, we need hope and we need to be people who are bringing hope. Uh, one of my favorite memories here at Moraine Valley Church is probably in our second or third uh, year that we were here, we were developing a really good musical uh, team. Uh, Josh is, is a, a part of that, and Abe sings uh, sometimes too. Uh, ben Fassel was a part of the, the training of, of all that, so it's, it's really a joy when I see them again. Uh, and we were asked, uh, by the, uh, the church, the musical director at the time, to actually take over a service and to do worship for the service. And it was such a big, a big deal for us. Um, and uh, we, uh, we did it, our, our youth did it. It was the first time maybe ever that it was done from what we heard. And after the service, an, an older gentleman uh, came down, uh, one of the oldest in the, the, uh, uh, the church, and he said, Bob, I can die happy. And I've looked, I said, don't do it now. You know, just, we, we like you too much today. I go, why do you say that? And he says, you know, you hear so much negative about the younger generation. He says, but I just went through a worship service with them and I know I can die and our church is gonna be in good hands. Uh, and I thought, wow, what, what a bringer of hope to me. That was, that was great, rather than the negative thing, your music was too loud, you, you know, you've played too fast. Um, you know, none of that came from him, and I shared that with our team, and, and they were, were filled with joy that the, at least some of the older generation uh, were appreciating what was going on. So this is your assignment. Uh, I'm a teacher now, so I love giving assignments. This is your assignment. I want you to talk. I want you to tell stories. I want you to do it with your friends, with your family, uh, with people that you're close to and share stories of how God has been faithful in your life over the past year or maybe over your lifetime uh, to talk about the hope that God brings in our life and has brought in your life. Um, and that's really the whole agenda. Just tell stories of hope and spend some time praising God and then using that as a foundation for continuing to minister uh, to the next generations. Uh, let's pray.
Father, I just thank you. Um, I, I thank you that uh, you have generations uh, of your people, uh, that you just don't start new generations without other generations, and you want us to pass on these stories. That's how you've designed it, of one generation to another generation to another generation. And when it doesn't happen, like in Joshua's day, no matter how awesome a leader Joshua was, his generation failed because the next generation didn't know you. And the gener that generation didn't follow you. So Father, I pray that that would not be true of us. I pray that it would not be true of, of Moraine Valley Church. Uh, that one generation would minister to the other generation. That we would leave positive legacies. That we would listen. And that we'd be bringers of hope to people's lives. I just thank you so much. In your son's name we pray. Amen.